All right. I, I forgot to do it earlier. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to do this now together. So I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time. Sorry. Uh, but we're going to read the Apostles' Creed together. And so I'll put the words up here on the screen. And uh, we're going to follow along together through the Apostles' Creed. Let's read. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. It's kind of a hum that just showed up. Hey, Emily, the blue slider back there on the board, the one blue slider that's up, pull it all the way down, see if that changes things. I'm going to try to get rid of this noise. Didn't do anything? Maybe. It went away. Well, the noise stopped, so whatever you touched, don't touch it again. We're going to stick with it. All right. Whew. I've been running around trying to figure this stuff out. We're trying to switch to maybe something on YouTube because on YouTube we can put lyrics and scripture verses over the video. So I'm working with it. It's not working great. But uh, hang in there. If you know something about this, please come and help me figure it out. All right. So we are looking at the Apostles' Creed together. We went through uh, the first... Uh, two lines of that. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Today we're going to be talking about this statement within the creed. It is, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Again, this is not a very contentious statement within the creed. If you are a Christian, this should have zero difficulty for you to say this out loud and stand and profess it. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. So uh, this is something that we get over and over through scripture. I mentioned before that we serve a triune God and, and the Trinity is kind of a, an interesting concept that at surface level you think, oh yeah, I got it. Right? Yeah, there's, there's three persons, one God, that's fine. But whenever you start to really dive into that and try to parse out those statements, you can really find yourself in, in some interesting conundrums and some interesting uh, just misbeliefs where we miss it. Um, so, like, there's an example I'll just throw out there that people use oftentimes where you talk about a, a three-leaf clover, which is the easy one to find, right? It's the four-leaf one that's difficult. But a normal clover has three leaves on it. And people say, so God is like that. It's one clover, but there's three distinct parts. But there's a little bit of a problem in that statement because it says that Jesus is not fully God or the Holy Spirit is not fully God. They're only part of the whole God. And that's an incorrect statement. 
And so you can find yourself trying to come up with analogies that help you understand it, but it doesn't really satisfy the point. And so the, the Trinity is supposed to be something that we kind of hold in tension. It is a belief that we have that we understand that we cannot fully understand in our limited frame, in our limited perspective. All right? And so the Trinity, just so you know, there's another uh, analogy out there. I'm just going to throw this out there. There's some great videos and, and resources out there that, that are great for unpacking all this. But another one that people talk about, you, you take a, a, some water, right? If you heat it up, it becomes steam, right? And, if it, and then you cool it back down, it becomes water. You get it really cold and it becomes ice, right? And so it's like, it's all the same water. So the water is fully water. The ice is fully, you know, it's still H2O. But even that suggests that there's still only facets of God, or like God can only be in one of those at a time. And, and it's, it is a perplexing idea. It is a beautiful truth of the Bible about the God that we serve, that he is far above who we are. That he is truly three in one. He doesn't just take on three different modes. He's not just three components that make up a whole. He is a triune God. One God that has three persons. And so Jesus is the second person of the Trinity that we mentioned. He is God in the flesh. And we looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago in Mark chapter 1. This little passage here, Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, it says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. And so the, the Bible makes the reference here that Jesus is the Son of God. It, it's not just some picture that we've come up with. It's not just some way of explaining God that we've developed. It is the way that the Scriptures talk about it. It is the way that God described His relationship with Jesus. You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. Now, Jesus would tell people that he was the Son of God. He would refer to God as his Father. And, and there were times where people really did not like that. And there were moments where the Pharisees would pick up stones as if to stone him to death for blasphemy for making statements like this. And one particular case is recorded in John chapter 10, where Jesus has discussed something with them, talking about the fact that he's the good shepherd, that he has sheep from another fold that he's going to bring in, kind of hinting at and giving reference for those people to say, look, you're not all the sheep that I'm after. You Israelites are precious in the eyes of God, but you're not the only ones that are precious in the eyes of God. There are people outside of the flock. There are people outside of the nation of Israel who are part of this grander kingdom that I'm building, and they did not like that. But here, in John chapter 10, verse 34, as they have picked up stones to throw at him, to kill him, right there in the, in the street, he says, Jesus answered them and said, Has it not been written in your law? I said, You are gods. By the way, this is a quote from Psalms, where David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying that God is saying to his people, 
as his children, you are gods, is what he says to them, because we're in his likeness. It says, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? He's like, look, I'm saying this because it's what the Bible says about who I am. Are you going to stone me for practicing what the scriptures teach? He says, if I do not do the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. I love this statement that Jesus gets into. He's, he's saying, I am the Son of God. And then he, he challenges them. Look, if you think that I'm wrong when I say that, then just look at the work that I'm doing. What do you find fault with? What, which miracle are you going to stone me to death for? Which good deed, which kind act, what are you going to put me to death for? Show me in the Word of God what, what attack you have for me. What this is saying is this. Jesus is the Son of God. Not just because God said so. Not just because somebody heard a voice from heaven. But because His very actions prove that He is holy and righteous. That every single act that He did, every thought He had, every word that He spoke was exactly in line with God the Father. So that no one could find any fault. No action could be taken against him. No one could truly say, no, you're doing this for your own self. Jesus proved that he is the Son of God, that God was in him and that he was in the Father because of the way that he lived his life. He was perfect and holy. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. As he was discussing some things with the people, he was telling them about, you've heard it said this way, but I say this. You've heard it said this way, but I say this. And people are starting to question, wait, 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 wait. Are we, are we starting a new thing here? Is this a new religion? Is this a, a new way of belief? And Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, he says, Now do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, I'm not coming to abolish the law. I'm not here to say that the law doesn't matter. I'm not here to say that you don't have to follow all those commands. I'm here to fulfill every one of them. I'm here to follow God's heart for his people to perfection. Listen, if you want to earn your way into heaven, if you want to find peace with God on your own, then your righteousness, your behavior, your actions, your choices have to be greater than the most righteous people you've ever met. 
Let me just say, none of us measure up to that. Not one of us. Only Jesus. That's why he can say, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. He fulfilled the law. And in doing so, he proved that he truly is the Son of God. He truly is God in the flesh. Fully God, fully man, but he came to fulfill the law on our behalf. So that by completing the standards of the righteousness of God and then offering his life as a sacrifice, we can have access to the kingdom. In John chapter 3, you've heard this before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now here we see very clearly stated, Jesus is the only one. There's no one else. No one else could possibly fulfill the commandments the way that Jesus did. No one else could possibly accomplish the work that he accomplished. No one else is qualified, capable. No one else. So there is nothing else that we can put our hope in. There is nothing else that we can look to as a hope of salvation except Jesus himself. Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. The only begotten Son. And what we know about his ministry is that he never once sinned, never once compromised. And it's interesting in, in Hebrews chapter 4, there's a little bit of a discussion here about Jesus as our high priest. You see that the, the Hebrews would look to people as being their mediators between God and and, and man. And, and they would look and they would think about different people. Like one of the, the categories that they would look for, they would look for angels, possibly. Maybe angels would be our mediator to make us, you know, have some kind of connection to God. And in the, the book of Hebrews, he, he says, look, Jesus is higher than any angel. They said, well, maybe it's the prophets, a prophet like Moses. If we had another prophet like Moses, maybe this would be it. And he says, no, Jesus is greater than Moses. Which is a bold claim to make to a group of Hebrews, by the way. He goes on, well, what about a high priest like Aaron? He says, well, even higher than that high priest is Melchizedek, and Jesus is even greater than Melchizedek. And if you don't know who that is, there's some homework for you to do. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, he says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. You see that statement again? He is the Son of God. Then let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. This is such an important thing for us to understand. Jesus was tempted. In all ways that you're tempted... Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. We have a high priest who understands our weaknesses, who faced them himself. He was fully man, so he could be tempted just like you are. 
But praise God, he was fully God in the flesh so that he could stand against them in a way that you and I fail. And so he says this, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus, after walking a perfect life, after living it out and demonstrating exactly what God intended for us to do, He then shares with us that righteousness. He took the sin upon Himself when He went to the cross, and then He offers to us His right standing before God. So we can come and receive mercy and find grace whenever we need it. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what his, that was his power toward us. Now listen, we need to understand just how critical it is to believe in Jesus. It is fundamental to being a Christian. It's the bottom line of what we believe. Because we cannot save ourselves, and we need saving. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. We all miss the mark. Not one of us can attain it. He says, For the wages of sin, in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Because we have sinned, what we deserve is death. We deserve not just a physical death, but a spiritual death to be completely separated from God. But the free gift that came through the life of Jesus, the free gift that Jesus accomplished on the cross, that free gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, God demonstrates in Romans 5, 8, it says, it says God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in your place. He died in my place. He didn't deserve it. He had completely fulfilled the law and earned his seat in heaven. And instead, he went to the cross and died for my sins, died for your sins. So that now, in Romans 10, 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. Confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. This means you have to, first of all, believe that Jesus is a real person. This is not a a fairy tale. It's not just, you know, he's not Harry Potter. He's not, you know, Aragon from Lord of the Rings. He's not some other creature of man's fictitious mind. Right? He's not just something that we dreamed up. Jesus was a real, live person. And then you have to believe that he lived a perfect, sinless life. And then you have to believe that he went to the cross and died for your sins and my sins. And that he was really fully dead and they put him in the grave. But then on the third day, he rose again. Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And then confess that he's your Lord. That's the other part of this statement. We read earlier, it says, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. 
And I think there's a lot of people who never make that next step. They believe, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. I think He was a real person. I think He really lived a perfect life. I think He demonstrated God's standards perfectly. And I believe He died on the cross for my sins. But they never take that next step to confess, because He did all of that, He's my Lord. And maybe they might say it out loud, but they don't live it out. You see, to call Jesus your Lord, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, means that whatever He says goes. He's the boss. He's the one who owns it all. He paid the price to purchase my life. And because He owns my life, then I go where He sends me. I do what He calls me to do. I follow His every command to the best of my ability. Do I fail? Yes. But praise God, I can come boldly before His throne and ask for mercy and grace. <coughs> Excuse me. We need to confess Him as Lord of our lives. In Philippians chapter 2, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it kind of sums all of this up. It says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he's talking about humility. Look at what he says in verse 6. He says, Who, although he existed in the form of God, <clears throat> did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, depending on which translation you're looking at, that might be a little bit different phrasing. It's a difficult terminology to, to put into words, but the idea here is this, is that Jesus was God. But instead of holding on to what was rightfully His as God, worthy of worship, worthy of honor, worthy of subservience, He was worthy of all things. He didn't hold on to that as something to grasp onto. Instead, he let go of that to step down and humble himself as one of us. To put on this flesh. And he came, and it says in verse 7, he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So listen, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. The question is, will you do it willfully? Will you do it now? Will you do it today? And say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. 
I believe that you are God in the flesh. I believe that you dwelt among us. I believe that you lived a perfect, sinless life. I believe that you went to the cross and you received the punishment for my sins. I believe you hung there in agony because of what I have done. And that you died on that cross, that you were buried in the grave, and that on the third day you rose again. And because you've done that, you've won my victory. You have won my freedom. You have won my open relationship with the Father in heaven. And because you've done all of that, my life is yours. I don't hold on to anything anymore. I don't hold on to my own ideas. I don't hold on to my own way of life. I don't hold on to my own ambitions. Instead, I want what you want. I lay aside my comforts. I lay aside my ambitions. And I embrace whatever it is that you've called me to. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. The question is, will you do it now while there's still time? Or will you be forced into it on the other side of this life? We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that we have great hope in you. That there is nothing that can interfere with what you have already accomplished. There's nothing that will separate us from your love. And because you have loved us so much, we have hope of spending eternity with you. Jesus, thank you for humbling yourself on my behalf. for letting go of what was rightfully yours in heaven and taking on the form of a servant and paying the ultimate price for me. Because you have done all of that, you're my Lord. I'll go where you send me. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say the things that you want me to say. I will love the people you want me to love. I will give up what you call me to give up. Because you are worth more than anything this world has to offer. And because you have paid the ultimate price for my soul. Let my life be an offering to you. Let my life demonstrate your goodness and mercy. Let everything I do bring glory and honor to your name. The name above every other name. Jesus, be glorified in us. We pray in your holy name. Amen. You respond to the Lord as he leads you this morning.